0: Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM 790 The Ticket.
1: And welcome on in, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Very, very big show today as we are discussing everything that went down. Last night at the BB&T Center, a great show in South Florida. I really got to give it up to you guys. I know that we uh, we, we went into this weekend not knowing uh, how things were going to go attendance-wise, how things were going to go atmosphere-wise. It had been a long time since the UFC had been here. Since 2015, when they filled out the Hard Rock Event Center and filling out an event center that seats about 5,000 to 7,000 at most to going to an arena. Is a whole different ball of wax and not only that you had an event with the ufc where you lost one of your main event participants the one who actually is from down here and is is part of the you know ha- has has lived down here for a long time has the cuban fan base behind him but i gotta tell you uh that atmosphere at the BBT center on saturday night was unbelievable the brazilian fans were incredible a lot of uh a lot of brazilians on the card The support that they had was was unbelievable. Got the crowd going all the time, but it really was a great showing and had over 12,000 in attendance to the gate that was over a million. And as I was able to ask Dana White in the post-fight press conference, were we as a fan base able to sway the reputation that had really been burdening us for a while, that didn't even feel like we were getting a fair shake to show that we could be mixed martial arts fans. And Dana White was able to touch upon that and where things stand. And really, what do you think about the growth of the sport down here in general? Dana White, your impressions of the South Florida crowd tonight? It's been a while since you guys have been here. And uh, did it improve its reputation to where you guys may come (laughs) back a little bit sooner than a a four-year gap?
2: You know, it's funny. All the fans were asking me that tonight, too. Um, Yeah, obviously, we did a fight that was, you know, most of the card was on free TV, and we did, you know, we did, uh, we had 12,754 in the building and a $1.21 million gate. So, yeah, I'm happy. So the answer is yes.
1: Dana, last night with Titan FC, and then tonight, and I know you talked about the crowd tonight, but what did you think of the two events? And then also, just the reason for why South Florida has been growing with MMA and why we did this tonight on a
2: card that was a decent card, but not a huge card tonight. Yeah, I I think that uh, yeah I had fun at the fights last night too, and um, I think obviously the sport has come a long way since the last time that we were here, and I do credit Dan Lambert and the American Top Team too for you know Dan spent a lot of money down here and, and done a lot of great things for the sport and for fighters in in in, uh, in South Florida, and I think he's created a lot of awareness and you know I, I credit Dan. Big time, too, for what's going on down here.
3: You're here at the
1: BB&T Center, and then we also have in Miami, the American Airlines Arena. So when UFC does come back, is there a preference whether to go to Miami, to stay in Sunrise, Fort
2: Lauderdale, or is that just something you look at later on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess it would depend on the fight. You know, it would depend on what fight I would bring down here. Um, you know, if we bring a pay-per-view, and if we bring some, you know, if, if it's a pay-per-view, it's obviously at least one title on the card. So,
1: so nothing but good things from him in the in the post-fight press conference. As far as the card was concerned, really, really good card too. I mean, the the fights were were tremendous. Had surprises. Had back and forths that were going each way. Um, first of all, you have Jack Hermanson, who is now an established contender in the middleweight division. He upstaged Jacare Souza, and pretty stunning fashion. I mean, he outstruck him for sure, but he also got him in trouble on the ground. He dropped him in the first round, which really set out the impression for the entire fight, and and did himself, I think, a lot of a lot of justice in in the way of saying that he is now part of the picture there at 185 pounds. I don't know what's next for him. He's had two fights very close together, so I'd imagine he's going to have some time off especially with that title picture even just needing some settling. Remember, we still need to get to Style Pender versus Robert Whitaker. You absolutely feel for a guy like Jacare, as he has been just one of the sport's all-time greats, but has never gotten that chance to, to get above the hump. He's been the strike force middleweight champion before, but never the UFC champion. So it's a bummer for him. It's still a division, though, where I feel like Jacare could get back on a two-fight win streak if he beats the right couple of guys he could be right back in the conversation. So I don't think this is a death blow. The only thing that's really his his biggest opponent right now is age. I mean, he's he's going to be 40 years old. So that's that's the biggest thing that he has to go through right now. But shout-out to the old guys, man. He was great tonight. Uh, well, Jaguar wasn't great tonight, but he's an all-time great. Uh, Glover Teixeira was great. His fight against Ian Kudelabra was unbelievable. Such a good performance because... Ian comes across the, the cage, and I'm sitting there with Beast and Leroy. We're both sitting there. We're all sitting there on press row, and, you know, you see it right away. It's not one of those things where I don't know if TV catches it, so excuse my ignorance on it, but you see Kutalabra. Uh, he goes up, and he goes big throat slash right to Glover to share, right in the face, very disrespectful. You usually don't do that. Once You know, you don't cross to the other person's side of the octagon until the referee says so. And for him to do that was quite bold, but he looked really good in the first round. It looked like he was going to come to fruition with that throat slash, spinning elbow, put Glover DeShera on wobbly legs and put him in a bad position. But Glover, God love him, unbelievable heart, unbelievable determination, hard, heavy hands, and he was able to get the best of him in the second round and put him away. And the crowd was going bananas for him. I got to tell you, like, that's when you, you knew it a little bit with the Lineker fight. You were going to realize it, what was going to happen next with the the Mike Perry, Alex Oliveira fight. But that roar when Glover ended up getting the win, you just was like, wow, the, the Brazilian fans have taken over this place. It was unbelievably cool. The next fight, Mike Perry versus Alex Oliveira, other Cowboy. First of all, this was awesome on a lot of levels. So Mike Perry comes out to the octagon. He's super intense. He's ready to roll. And a couple of changes. I didn't read the background. I wasn't, you know, this was an, a, a late add to it. But uh, it looks like Mike Perry is no longer with Jacksons after the whole fiasco with uh, Cowboy and Cowboy and Winkle John and that whole split when those guys fought. And Cowboy ended up beating Mike Perry. He looks like he's back in Orlando, or he said he was Billed fighting out of Orlando. He's got his his now wife back in the corner with him. I remember, there was a, a split there. And, you know, when I saw that, I was like, all right, let's 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 see how this rolls for Mike Perry. Let's see if he's able to carry the stuff that he learned there, because that was a lot of the criticism that he had took early in his career Would he had the sensational knockouts. But how far is he going to get if he doesn't have that real camp behind him? And he looked amazing. He looked amazing, and 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 it was a hard, hard fight. I really thought that out of out of a lot, out of this group tonight, I thought he shined the best. In that he, I think, is got some real star potential. I really do. I, I think out of everybody, any, anybody who wasn't Brazilian in this crowd, the only guy who was truly over as a star or that people really cared about was Mike Perry. People really, really like him. He was getting Perry chants throughout the rafters, um, and, and it was it was pretty clear that, that people cared about what he did in this fight. And he looked good, man. He, he It was one of those fights where he was having to deal with a lot of trigger from Alex Oliveira. Alex Oliveira, you know, one of these things you just don't – that I think you notice more – when your cage side, which I was, not to humble brag, but is it just the smile that he gives his opponent, like the entire time he was smiling at Mike Perry, just seeming like he was trying to get him off his game. And it didn't it didn't affect Mike Perry too much. It really didn't. So he was able to to not fall for the trickery. The only thing that Oliveira really had had by the time the fight was winding down was seeing if he could goad him into getting on the ground. And... Mike Perry wasn't playing that game. There was one point at the end of the second round where he ended up pulling Oliveira, um, bouncing his head off the canvas a couple of times while he had him up against the cage. And even that, you could tell he was a little bit wary because Oliveira's a tricky dude, man. He's a tricky, tricky dude. But the best part of the fight wasn't even the fight. The best part of the fight was the, da- the dance-off. Before these two battled in combat, they battled in dance. Because I and I wish I knew the song that uh, Olivera came out to, but he came out to some, some, some serious. I don't even know. We, uh, it's not obviously it's not salsa. I, I think he was coming out to like, whatever the hell it might be samba. I don't know, man. But he was coming out to some. He was coming out something festive, something festive. A lot of hip movement, a lot of gyrating, and Mike Perry, he decides, no, 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 I'm gonna dance right with this. And he was getting after it to the point where Leroy and I look at each other. We're like, "Yo, he's gonna burn out of energy. He is dancing so hard right now. Mike Perry needs to calm down. He's going. He's not gonna have any 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 energy for them bombs in those hands. It was crazy. So people are going wild for it. They put it up on the split screen. It was a wild scene, man. It was a real wild scene. Um, it was you know just all around. It was a great card, and and that and that. Look, this speaks to why last night was so important for us as a market because what was always said is, hey, how come we can't get the big fights? How come we can't get something like a title fight or a pay-per-view? And while I hear you, that's totally valid. You almost have to show that you're willing to support anything they throw at you before they're willing to give you a big one. And that's why I thought last night was important. No, it wasn't the biggest names on the planet. There were a lot of guys who were over the hill, like Glover Teixeira and, and Jacare and, and Andre Arlovsky, guys who were, who were definitely well past their primes. But the fact that you went out there and you supported that, and, all, and also, you show, I'm telling you, the crowd showed a lot of knowledge. You know, guys were getting out of submissions. Cheers and applause. When 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 you know a certain move was going down, they were aware of it. Very classy as guys left the uh, left the cage too. There was only one moment, and I saw this get heat from Ariel Helwani, who who I genuinely think does a good job. I I like Ariel Helwani. Don't don't get me wrong, but as I've mentioned several times, very 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 pro Brazilian crowd. So Corey Sanhagen versus John Lineker goes down. And these two couldn't be more separate body types for 135 pounds. John Lineker, he's hands of stone. He's as stocky as they come, and he goes in there to throw bombs. Whereas Corey Sandhagen, long, lean, tall, a lot of trickery, throwing knees, throwing long jabs, long limbs, trying to keep the distance and stuff. It makes for a very hard fight to score, and it is also going to make for... Some awkward reactions to shots. Now. In my opinion. I thought John Lineker won the fight. I thought John Lineker. Won that fight 29-28. But that's just my opinion. I'm a guy who values power. I'm a guy who values when. You hit somebody. It stuns them a little bit. Stops them in their tracks. And this idea of keeping the range. Keeping the range. Keeping the range all the time. Not for me. As far as these things go. Also. John Lineker ended around where he knocked down Corey Sanhagen and then squeezed him so hard, blood came out of his nose. We were all confused in the arena, like, what just happened here? So it had the conclusion. It felt like John already had one in the bag at that point. It had that conclusion. Corey was doing great work with his jab, and it did feel like he was starting to slow John down. It was close. I value more so how that fight ended and, and and the dynamic ending that it had more so than what led up to it. That's just my opinion, and that's how I score fights. And these things are subjective. And also, when you're in the emotion of a crowd and a live, and, and a live scene, you're going to lean that way too, especially if you have some nationalistic pride behind one of the fighters. So Corey Sandhagen is, is named the winner, and the crowd just rains booze down on him. But they have to... You know, for for Helwani to be like, come on, uh, Sunrise, you guys are better than that. First of all, they're pissed their guy lost. Second of all, if you're in the building and you watch this, it's a different experience, as I'm sure Ariel knows, than watching it on a television screen. Like, you have a different vibe to who is winning a fight what the feel of a fight is. And so, put, put behind those boos, pride behind a guy who's from the same place as them and also the ending that he the way he ended that fight against his opponent it's gonna it's gonna get a volatile reaction and one I do think it was warranted because I thought the decision was wrong I thought Lineker won that fight I thought he clearly won the fight but you know this is judging judging is subjective you never know what a person's gonna look at um and what they value and and, and and all that stuff so from my standpoint there was some questionable judging the, pretty much the whole night you know there was things where you just raised your eye are like eh, not sure about that one like i thought that andre alofsky got the hose i thought that uh uh augusto sakai getting the win over that no thought thought i thought andre alofsky got the nod there thought thought the young buck got it over the uh, over the old head because he's young buck and so they wanted to build him up. But from my standpoint, it was, it, it really was a, a great, great night. And ton of great fights. A, a ton of great fights. So even though you didn't have that headliner, even though you didn't have that, wow, I got to get out to see this. You guys went out there and you supported the sport at the highest level. South Florida should be proud. This is a market that can support the UFC can support the biggest events and you guys showed it last night and because of that I don't think we're going to have to wait 4 years for our next one to be here which is which is really really awesome and it shouldn't be because the best fighters in the world train down here it's a hotbed people do this as a as a hobby now on on the regular as Dana was saying yesterday a lot of credit to that goes to Dan Lambert um and, and and all the great fighters that have made their second home or their first home here, and and adopting this place and and infecting the community with this, so it was a, it was a great night. It was a great night for for me to watch as a, as a as a fan of the sport, as a fan of combat sports in general, um, to see that get rolled out yesterday. It really really made me happy for this market and made me happy for just being a fan of the sport down here. And knowing that it could, I I knew it could work. You know, as a guy who goes out to the regional shows and and uh, you know goes out to a lot of the local boxing matches and a lot of the local mixed martial arts stuff, I know I could just tell with the vibe that look, it may just be two thousand people in this little gym, but they care a lot about this and they know what they're watching, and so I I, I see no reason why that can't expand a little bit. You make the you make the the stakes a little bit bigger. You make the names a little bit more recognizable, and you take that same base passion that's there. It's gonna be a lot of people that want to bring their family, their friends, all out to this stuff. So, shout out to South Florida. You guys did good yesterday. We're back with more on last night's show, and this entire week. I was out. I was out a lot this week, and you know, um, I was covering a lot of different things. We were at Titan FC. Uh, I got some stories regarding that. We were uh, we were out watching uh jorge masvidal speak to some kids this week at bear middle school got some stories about that so a lot of things to dive into as far as this week is concerned. canelo weeks coming up in a week's time so we'll be back right after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket welcome back everybody it is fighters fury here on the ticket tobin here with you as we are recapping ufc fort lauderdale from yesterday we got into a lot of the nitty gritty. I'm looking at the rundown. A uh, couple cool moments haven't mentioned yet from yesterday. Jim Miller getting a submission over Jason Gonzalez. Super cool for Jim Miller. Obviously a huge veteran of the sport. Got to do it in front of his family and all of his kids. Right there. Uh, it was on the early prelims, so I think it was on ESPN two or whatnot. And great performance from him. He ended up getting uh, a first round rear naked choke on Jason Gonzalez. Overwhelmed him really. You know, overwhelmed him with strikes, got on his back like a spider monkey and choked him out. No no, no, uh, no worries there. Uh, Angela Hill, she defeated uh, Jody es- Eskibol. Really entertaining striking match between these two. Eskibol took a lot of damage from Angela Hill, who was kind of unloading the kitchen sink at her. She threw a lot of different stuff at her. So, great performance there. Um, Takashi Saito, he had a TKO victory over Ben Saunders. And this was scary from a standpoint of Sato, he hit Ben Saunders with a straight shot down the pipe and then kind of bludgeoned him with some elbows. And this reaction that Saunders had, like I can only describe it as it was like his body turned into that of a fish out of water because he was like flopping all over the place, ended up catapulting himself into the cage and really scary moment. But Sato got himself a great, UFC debut and an impressive, impressive victory for himself. Gilbert Burns ended up submitting Mike Davis rear naked choke in round two. He uh, he was really happy. I would say out of anybody, Gilbert Burns repped South Florida the best yesterday. He uh, he he really did a great job. And um, when we go, you know, I'll get to this a little bit later. But he is uh, it was a, it was a double win weekend for the Burns family as his brother Herbert Burns won at Titan FC uh, a little bit beforehand. But I do want to touch on, you, you may have noticed I, I've left only one name really off of this entire thing, and that is Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy ended up fighting Dimitri Smolik. Smolik- Let me see if I get this right. Smolikov. Smolikov. Hello. He was taking on Dimitri Smolikov, right? Second real UFC fight for Greg Hardy. He's 3-1 professionally. We all know what happened the last time he was out there. He, uh, he hit his opponent with an illegal knee. Fight stopped. Greg Hardy ends up taking the loss. Very embarrassing. Didn't look really in great shape for that fight. And, you know... He's uh I think it 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 rose it raised a lot of eyebrows too. Like, why was this guy at the co-main event on the on the debut of UFC ESPN? So he fights yesterday against this Dmitry Smolikov, who is girthy. He is a girthy Russian, let me just say. That guy, he, I mean, he he has those thick Russian jeans. But not exactly the fleetest of foot. Greg Hardy it felt like and dan this is this is how i know it was a mismatch this is dana white's baby when it comes to greg hardy like this comes off his favorite show that contender series if you guys watch the contender series i watch the only time i've ever watched the contender series is to watch the greg hardy show i want to see let's see what the guy has I've, i know of him he's been training in a in a gym in south florida i want to know what this guy's bringing to the table And to no one's surprise, uh, if he hits you with all that fast twitch muscle fiber with those long, long arms on a 6'5", 264-pound body, you know, if he lands, it's going to do some serious damage. It's just a question of can he do that over a fight against a professional fighter over three rounds time and eventually, you know, ever five rounds time. So, watching him, there's a couple of things. I was interested to see what the crowd reaction would be. And I got to say, not that not that volatile towards him. Booze picked up after he won a little bit, but it was not overwhelming. Like, if you were to put, if I were to put the Corey Sanhagen getting booed for him getting the nod over John Lineker, i put that at a 10. I put the Greg Hardy booze at like a two. Like, I kind of feel like everybody doesn't care about it that much anymore. People were even doing the, there was even like the smattering of applauses when he won. I think the thing that's interesting about it, mostly really with Greg Hardy is, I don't think people care that much about him. I don't think people get that. I don't think he has this big reaction one way or the other. I don't think people are that interested in watching him fight anymore. I don't. That was just the pulse in the building. I'm just letting you know. I was certainly interested in seeing what he was going to do, especially after the way the last fight went. And do will say this about Greg Hardy. He did look much better. And if I can say from how they game planned, if this was by design, I know he was in there with somebody who did not look very good at all. Dana White even said he doesn't believe that that guy won nine fights. If Dana White is saying that about a guy who he is... Hoping to God is is uh, somewhat of a star. It's the whole point. is here, isn't it? With all the baggage that he has. Um, if Dana White's saying that, you know he's not very impressed by the win. And so, Greg Hardy looked good, took his time, found his range, hit this dude with one of those big uppercuts, stuffed a couple of takedowns, and as soon as the guy crumbled from that big uppercut, ground and pound city, it was all over and uh you know yeah there were some boos when he won but it wasn't like they could it wasn't so bad to where people you could say like oh they they really hate this guy people are going to tune in to watch him lose and also the applause was not that of well ah, good to see greg hardy making the most of his second chance it was just very lukewarm almost like i don't want to say uncomfortable it's just like Dude, I, all right, you're here. That's fine. And that's kind of how I feel about it. You know, with the whole Greg Hardy thing, I don't want to be a super phony about it because I know that there are people, I've enjoyed their work who, as fighters, and they've done some nasty things in their life. I don't want to be a hypocrite about it. Um, But I could just tell you, like, watching him, yeah, he looked a little bit better. He was taking on a, a, a dude who sucks. And... That's kind of it. Like, I don't feel like that guy, I don't feel like Greg Hardy sniffs any of the top guys. Like, I think I saw a TMZ headline last night that he's got Stipe and, uh, who else did he say? He had Stipe and I think Derek Lewis in his sights. I'm like, man, not for you. Not for you. That's going to be so bad for you, Greg Hardy. You're not talking about, uh, Shmolikov who looks like he's wrestling goats. Stipe Miocic, the most the most decorated heavyweight champion of all time? Please. Come on, man. Like, Let's not be silly. Let's not put on our silly hat with that stuff. Take it easy a little bit. And that's, you know, but this is what happens when you put a guy like that in the co-main event. He feels like he is going to be a couple steps away from being at this big level. And he's not. He's not. And I don't think people care that much about watching him anymore. I don't. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll... You know, maybe we'll tune in, and, and that's where the biggest jump was. He was certainly the most recognizable name from a mainstream standpoint on this card. There's no doubt about that. But just being in the building, you were just kind of like, I don't know. It was just a feeling of, ah, all right, Greg Hardy's there. Cool, whatever. That was the least interesting thing that happened in the cage tonight. I can put it like that. This was a banging card. There were a lot of good fights on this card. He looked better. Looked like he executed the game plan his coaches gave him. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Against a guy he should have beat, who Dana White doesn't believe really has nine wins. Mind you, his staff picked that guy to face Greg Hardy. So excuse us if we're all just raising a skeptical eyebrow at the UFC saying, yeah, you want to get this guy as tailor-made a performance as possible so you can still feed him to the machine and say, hey, tune in to watch Greg Hardy fight. It was a miss. On a night that was great mixed martial arts, I thought. I thought that was, uh... It, it just stuck out like a sore thumb, you know? Because they were trying. Like, they were trying to go out there and put this big foot... This, this this front, like, oh, big deal. Greg Hardy back in the octagon. And I, you could tell by the, t- the tone of Dana White afterwards. I think he's like, I don't know if this guy's any good at this. I don't know if he's anything special. And... I, I get the feeling, being in the crowd, people just don't care that much about Greg Hardy. And I don't think that they're that interested in the story anymore. And so, if you don't get that reaction, if people aren't tuning in to hate watch him, and I don't think people are tuning in to see a redemption story, what do you got there? What is the Greg Hardy payoff? When we come back, speaking of payoffs, I want you want a story you can get behind? Let me tell you about my night at Titan FC 54 this past Friday night. I was out there, and it was an awesome, awesome time. It was a lot of stakes. If anybody had the most stakes on the line this week, is everybody fighting on that card? Because these guys who fight on a smaller promotion, Titan FC, who does a really good job, I enjoy the I enjoy always going to catch their cards when I can. Um but they had Dana White in the building. I mean, literally you had to get guys all out there saying, like, this is my opportunity to get to the major leagues. So it was an intriguing atmosphere. We'll tell you about it next.
0: It's Fighters Fury on AM seven ninety the ticket. All
1: right, welcome back, guys. It is Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Tobin here with you. And recapping on everything that went down this past week with UFC, fun weekend. Obviously, last night was awesome at the BB&T Center. I went on Friday night to Titan FC 54 over at Extreme Action Park. And the big twist on this one was that Dana White was in the building. He was doing his Dana White looking for a fight show. And Titan FC is a promotion run by Lex McMahon, and it's it's a it's in partnership with the UFC. The one thing with with Lex's promotion is he has UFC out clauses for all of his fighters. So if the UFC needs a fighter and Titan has somebody who fits the bill, they can get out of their contracts immediately and go up to the UFC. Pretty cool thing. But also because of that partnership, it uh it gave them a chance to ho- to host the UFC's boss in attendance. And the big person they were trying to showcase was Jason Soares. And if you guys don't know who Jason Soares is, we've had him on the uh, the midday show a couple times. And he's a he's a local featherweight. He's from Miami. He's 13-0. And, and he's very, very talented. I, th- I, I think he's very, very talented. I've watched a couple of his fights. And I've been very impressed by him. Very, very impressed. So this is big stakes. Because here's the thing with Jason. Um he's not he's not a bleep talker he is not uh outlandish he's if I had to like if I had to you know kind of pinpoint a a personality he's kind of he's kind of like his personality reminds me of almost like a Demetrius Johnson like he is just the purest of martial artists very much a respect for the science of the uh and and the and the and the the craft of the sport um very much into nutrition, very much into the uh, the importance of the body and all that kind of stuff. So you you're talking about you're, you're talking about that kind of a personality, but doesn't have a doesn't really have a hole uh, in his game. He's a tremendous he's a tremendous tremendous wrestler. Great submission game. Uh, I haven't seen him strike that much, but when I did, la- the first fight I saw him fight, I saw him put a guy out of out of uh, consciousness for a good mm, I would say a good three minutes that guy was out they had to get the oxygen tank out for him so I don't have the whole repertoire of his versatility striking but I know I've seen him knock a guy dead once and uh his game on the ground is absolutely sick I mean he he is um he is very very dominant as a 145 er can hold a man down against his will and punch that person in the face pretty much as much as he wants to so just to give you a little idea of uh his style so i was in the uh this is a big opportunity jason is uh their featherweight champion um and we had him in studio and lex brought him a new belt because he was such a graceful champion and i you know for the impressions i got they all feel like you know this is going to be showcase, do what you do, win, and Dana White is going to fall in love and give you a contract and invite you onto the big show. Cool. So the fights at Titan FC fifty-four, a lot of good action. This uh this particular card, a lot of close, very close split decisions, basically up until we got to the three main fights. So You had a lot of fights that were going like 29, 28, split decisions. uh, Very much a grinded out night. And I wouldn't even say it was ones where things were up against the, uh, where where guys were on top of each other. A lot of cage work, a lot of stuff that was in the clinch and stuff like that. Uh, Up until we got to about Herbert Burns' fight where he took on Luis Gomez. And as we mentioned last segment, Herbert Burns is the brother of UFC lightweight Gilbert Burns. And so he put forth a great performance, got a body lock in and pretty much reestablished himself like three different times and then finally got it in, uh, sung it in, and he had a cool little speech to Dana White. Dana White is there right in attendance, says, please let me join my brother. It would be such a great honor. Let me show you what we could do together. And so he got to have that opportunity. Then he had Rafael Alves. He won the interim lightweight title on basically what could be established as a Rocky II ending double punch knockout uh, Felipe Douglas, he went down and didn't get back up and Rafael Alves ate the punch and he stayed up. So there was that and from what I understand uh, Rafael and Herbert Burns were both given opportunities or are going to be given opportunities to fight on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. So awesome for them and much deserved. But Jason Swords's fight comes up. It's the last fight of the night. And, you know, gets to soak it in a little bit. He has a nice little walkout, a little, uh, nice little entrance. And then the fight starts. And he is uh, he's going in there, dominating his opponent. And holding basically down against his will. It's not like the most devastating display of shots, but... You know he's going out there and he's he's doing his he's doing his thing he's doing his work uh, TCB as I like to call it in the first round. So we get to round two, and at this point, uh, he goes in for a takedown on Arison Franca, his opponent. Gets into a guillotine submission. Looks a little dicey for a second, but you know you could definitely tell that he is trying to go after and make something happen. I would say it's about as the first round, a pretty generic held uh, held Franklin down against his will, and moved on. He's clearly up twenty to eighteen at this point. Get to the third round, and this is where I feel like Jason really turned on the juice with his domination. Like he was still holding him against the ground, but he's really starting to inflict some damage onto Arison at this point. Like it's not, it's not close. It's pretty lopsided, but. Some of the crowd's starting to boo. He's got some rivals in the crowd that are like, woo, dum-dums. And, you know, clearly this is a guy who not only with Dana White in the crowd has to win, but he has to win in a certain style. You know, that's unfortunately the way it is. You know, this is one of those things where I think he probably himself was feeling natural pressure to go out there and perform because you are performing. Imagine if you were a singer. You know, it's kind of like fighter American idol and you have to go out there and yeah, you can, you can go out there and you can sing, you know, some generic tune and sound fine, or you could knock it out of the park. It's like, you got to show not only that you got the ability to sing and carry a tune, but you got to have some kind of an it factor, you know, if I were to put it in some kind of way, but this is where things get crazy. So Jason's no dummy. He knows this. He knows he is dominating a fight, but is not dominating it in the most entertaining fashion. He knows Dana White's in the building, and he knows that a UFC contract is basically on the line here. Not only—it's not his title. Don't Forget about the title. The fact that he's defending his featherweight title is, like, secondary. He's, de- he's trying to get the opportunity to get to the UFC, and the owner and the president of the UFC is right there in the crowd. And so he knows this. And so he goes out there. And mind you, I've watched now, this would be the, uh, uh, we were going to the fourth round. So at this point, I've seen five rounds of Jason's career. I've never seen the guy lose a second of a round. Ever. Never. He's always dominant. So he's going out there, tries to press the action a little bit. He gets hit with a knee. Out of nowhere. And it's bad. It's really bad. We're in the fourth round. Dana White's in the crowd. Contract on the line. And it may have just ended. He's in bad shape. He is on the ground. He does not look conscious. And Frank is trying to lay blows down upon him. For a good, I would say it was uninterrupted. Felt like for a good 15, to 20 seconds. Feel like the ref's going to absolutely step in because he's not reacting that much. Career's about to to, to, go off in the distance. 12-0 to be twelve and one, no contract, no Dana White, and he ends up weathering the storm. And I'm telling you, some refs would have stopped this fight. It was crazy. He ends up reversing this on his opponent, gets on top of him. I don't know how he's doing it. He's he was unconscious a second ago. He was out of it. Gash open on the face reverses it, gets on top of his opponent, and pummels him into knocking him out. And the crowd goes insane. Jason's got a lot of supporters there, so they're all going crazy. They start playing the, I swear to God, they start playing the theme from Rocky, because that's what it felt like. This guy's career was was going off in smoke. (sighs) A guy just knocked him silly with a knee, about to pummel him on the ground the ref is about to step in reverses it pummels his opponent gets the win stays undefeated it was movie stuff I was just I kept saying everybody I was like that was like a movie and and and, and, and look it's not the first person to ever come back from a hard shot to to knock his opponent out but he did it with Dana white in the crowd this is so made for Whatever stupid show he's putting together. That's it. Except Dana White walks out. He doesn't give him a contract. Here's the thing that was upsetting. So I go backstage as a medium member. We were told you guys are going to be able to have a scrum. And for all you guys don't know what a scrum is, basically a fancy word for a press conference but like there's not a podium if you will you know just holding the microphone cool i was figuring I was gonna ask dana white about jason figure uh, uh, before the fight i was ask him about jason getting his new contract uh i gonna ask him about south florida um you know mixed martial arts in south florida which i ended up getting to ask him last night but um he's yeah so we go back there I go backstage, and back by backstage, we're at Extreme Action Park, so it's it's what can only be described as like a mini warehouse. It's not it's nothing fancy. There's curtains all around. That's how everything's separated. And Dana White is being bombarded by Kazakhstanis because there was a Kazakhstan dude on the uh, a guy from Kazakhstan on the card. So all the fans are there's like I would say like half a dozen fans, and there's some people camera phoning and all that. Jason, who's wobbling back to the uh to the backstage area, you know, Dana White and him, I would say like are like six feet apart. And all right, cool man. Hey, is Dana White gonna I'm like thinking to myself, hey, is this the part where Dana White comes over, and gives this guy his contract? What is this happening? And Dana White leaves the little Kazakhstani huddle, goes in the back with the president of Titan FC. Has his little talk with him. Lex of Titan FC comes out and he says, sorry guys, no Dana White press conference. He left. He left. Now, while that whole thing was going on, I went and talked to Jason Soares. Let's hear a little bit of this. This is uh, my conversation with him. A victorious Jason Soares after retaining his featherweight title Can we just saw uh, what i can only be described as uh, some movie stuff and i'm here with featherweight champion jason sores who just defended his belt uh, incredible performance man everything was going according to plan i imagine like you uh were going to work you you had uh, plenty of rounds in pocket and you took a, a vicious knee and it didn't look good there for a second with dana white in the building and you showed i mean such incredible heart to come back from that finish your opponent and defend your belt can you kind of, if is there, if it's possible, can you put into words what the hell just happened?
3: Yeah, you know, I just put in so much work, man. I just refused to quit, you know. I, I know I got caught. Stupid. I'm super disappointed in that. But I also know that I can get caught and I can get hit with anything and I'll come back, you know. Like I really feel just a matter of time, you know. I knew he was beating me up and I was like trying to regain consciousness, you know. I was messed up in the head. And then, um, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I got a heart of a worry. So I came back and I, and I took him down. I'm like, I'm, this shit's over, man. I'm done with this shit. I mean, I should have finished him earlier. I was, I was coasting, you know. Too much coasting. The first three rounds were or two rounds. Two rounds were easy, and it was three rounds. And um, I needed to be more vicious. and I wasn't. And honestly, not for any excuses. I didn't feel that crazy good going into the fight tonight. Probably nerves. And then um, yeah, he fuck. He started hitting me, and I'm like, you know what? This shit's over. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end this guy right now.
1: Did it? Did did uh, any of that pressure because you knew what was on the line tonight? Did you feel like you had to be more vicious? because you wanted to put on a good show, or did you feel like that's just how you wanted to go out in your style of fight to beat him?
3: I mean, honestly, I wasn't being as vicious as normal. I was being lazy and just coasting. Um, but I, the pressure is good. I like the pressure, you know? It, it, you know? I always have pressure every fight. I put so much pressure on myself. I'm undefeated. Uh, I want to win so bad. and. Um, yeah, and, and I know when, when a fight gets hard, I think that's when I do the best, you know, when I get hit and, and when someone thinks they're going to beat me. I think in my head, I, I just think it's funny, you know, because I think like he's hitting me, he's like, man, this fight's over. And in my head, I'm, I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, you know, this fight's not over, buddy. I'm going to come back. And I, I love when someone thinks they're going to beat me and then just coming back and breaking them, you know, but at the same time, I, it's good just to go out there and knock a, knock a guy out, too. You know, it's a lot, a lot easier. Go home, sleep
1: what is what is the best way you could describe what's going on in that in that round because is it, is it instincts is it going back to training what it what what can you describe as far as when you get hit like that and know that you have to come back to to get in your right position
3: no when, when you when you're messed up like that it's it's hard you know so i'm getting messed up in my head i know i'm not gonna quit and uh i know he's hitting me i know what he's doing and, and i just have to figure out a way to to, to survive come back and and win and, and that's what i was doing you know i knew i was, knew I was in trouble and he's beating me up, and I, but I knew I was staying, looking, and and using my feet and everything, and just biding my time till my head came back, and I could, I could capitalize, you know. And, and I'm, I'm unfinishable. I've been hurt before. No one, no one, no one can finish me.
1: You, uh, you had the call out in the, in the ring. Obviously, uh, Dana's here tonight, and uh, you sent his message. But do you think that, uh, what, what is the, what is the thing you're glad that you showed him tonight, uh, the most to, to, show that you do deserve being a UFC fighter?
3: I mean, I'm disappointed in the first three rounds. That they were a little lackadaisical, you know, just grinding and stuff. I don't like that. But um, at the same time, um, it was exciting how I showed that, you know, I can't be finished. I'll come back and, and you, can, you can hurt me, you can break me, but uh, I'm still going to win.
1: It was an incredible showing, man. Thanks uh, for an incredible showing for your fans, for your your packed house here tonight. Um, what do you have to say? I mean, it was an incredible crowd. You, you packed this building with a lot of people here to support you. What did that mean to
3: you? Uh, it means a lot, you know. I, I mean, I put so much pressure on myself, and then I have all my, my friends and family come out. I, I love all of them, and, and I, I love to put on a good show for them and, and get that win, so... It means a lot to me. You know, these are these are like my close people, my, my best friends since childhood, my new best friends, you know, as in my adult life, and it's awesome, you know, to come out here and perform in front of them.
1: Well, uh, you, you made this place your house for a little bit, but uh, you're on, on to bigger houses, man, so congratulations. You did a hell of a job.
3: No, Dana White better call my number. Dana, I'm ready. I'm ready to go in there and compete against the best. And
1: so Lex tells us he left, and I can't feel like that's good. Well, he left for what? So. This is a little piece of the press conference, the mini-conference, the scrum, if you will, I had with Titan FC president
0: Lex McMahon. Did you
1: get any impression from him if he's going to give Jason a contract?
0: You know, I'll let that be something he discusses, Um, you know.
1: What did you think of Jason's performance, uh, especially?
0: Listen, I I think every fighter, it's easy to be dominant and win. Um, It's harder to show your true worth if you – have to face adversity, and Jason faced the adversity. Frankly, I, I thought the fight was over. He came back, and uh, you know he did great. He showed a lot of true grit, and I'm proud of him. I'm proud he's our champion. Uh, I'm also proud he's my friend. You know, I'm, I'm happy to call Jason soar as a friend, um, but I'm, I'm proud that he's our champion. And we'll see what happens next. But Dana will, will dictate, you know, what's going to happen from here in, in terms to every fighter that was on the card. I've
1: done a lot to put him on that platform. If it was in your hands.
0: You know the ground and pound style. You know it kind of reminds me of GSP, right? And GSP was was one of the most dominant champions around, but it's also not the most exciting style. Um, and I, I think that Jason needed to showcase more tonight. Uh, he had the perfect opportunity, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. And then he got caught. So you know, one fight does not make a career. Jason Soares is an amazing fighter, an amazing athlete, and uh, I, I know you know whatever happens next for him. He's gonna he's gonna rebound quickly from uh, you know tonight and being disappointed that he didn't give quite the performance he wanted, even though he got the win and he came through some adversity, uh, and he'll move on to the next thing, whatever that might be. And so obviously they wouldn't tell us, but the news ended up coming up the next
1: day, on Saturday morning, Jason was not offered a contract by the UFC or Dana White, and I can only put it under this description: that's a bad decision by the UFC. The dude is clearly UFC caliber. He's clearly UFC caliber. And because he doesn't go out there and he's not talking a lot of smack and he's not, you know, he doesn't have the Ken doll, Barbie doll look that uh, Sage Northcutt had, or doesn't call out CM Punk like Mickey Gall used to when he got on that, that reality show. Because he just goes out there and he holds guys down and Hits them in the face at will. You don't think that's UFC worthy. Where if I were to look around, and I were to look at your welterweight division, which is reigned supreme by one Kamaru Usman. It's kind of his forte. Khabib Nurmagomedov, maybe you heard of him. That's kind of his forte. Maybe the greatest champion of all time. Jean St-Pierre, that's kind of his forte. So I get it. You want a lot of knockout artists, and you want guys that are dynamic, and you want guys that bring the sizzle, or maybe you want guys that draw a reaction like Greg Hardy. I get it. Dana White's ran off, uh, tur- turned the UFC into a $4.2 billion operation. I'm sure he knows what good fighters look like. I'm sure he does. I- I'm, su- I'm sure. I'm sure... He's got an idea. So why this some Yahoo like me? But I could tell you flat out, you will know more about picking and promoting than I ever will. But I can still tell you on this decision, it was bad to not give Jason a contract. It was a bad decision. And I'm sure one day he's going to get there. It should have been that night. Because, let me tell you somebody who edits something, Dana White. I'm a content maker. You're a promoter. I'm a content maker. If you couldn't make a good YouTube video out of a guy who had all his dreams ringside, knocked into oblivion by a guy kneeing him in the face, coming through with that and ended up knocking a dude out, if you can't turn that into good television, I don't know what the hell you're doing in the content business. And if you you don't think that guy's a good fighter, I mean, I I don't know what to tell you. The guy can fight, and uh, and I hope one day he gets to the UFC. In um, my brief time with him, think a lot of his abilities. So it was a bummer to see that he wasn't able to get them that night. But uh, I hope he does down the line soon. Maybe somebody will drop out of a UFC card and they'll of a 145 or on short notice, and that opportunity will knock uh, will knock Jason Soares' way. I don't know. But I was, uh, I was very enthralled with that story. So, hope you guys uh, enjoyed that one. We are going to get the hell out of here. We will uh, talk to you the same time, same place next week. Let me remind you of this. Before we get out of here, March for Cancer is coming up on May 18th. Let me make sure I got that right. I believe it is May 18th, Saturday at C.B. Smith Park in, on Fort Lauderdale. Be de- <coughs> Scratch that. At D.C. Alexander Park on Fort Lauderdale Beach, it is a 5K run walk. It is an awesome thing that SEMA and Tommy Guns do every single year to raise money for cancer. But what they're doing with this particular March for Cancer, and really what they do with the March for Cancer, is it's it's not a raising money for research. What it's doing is people every day, they go through this fight with cancer. They don't have money to pay the bills. They don't got money. To work. Well, they, can't get, they can't work so they can't get money. They, they don't have money to pay the bills. They don't have money to keep their lights on. They need help. Rides. All these types of expenses that you don't think about. Because you're just trying to get healthy. And so what the March for Cancer does is it raises money for those fighting that fight right now. So if you know somebody who's going through that and it's hard times, it's trouble times for them and they need a little bit more support, this is what this charity does. The March for Cancer raises money to help them right now. It's not saying that research stuff isn't important. It is tremendously important. But there's a lot of money going to that, and a lot of money going to breakthroughs. What does that do for the people who are battling cancer right now, or tomorrow, or in a couple weeks, or in a month? That's what the March for Cancer is for. It is for raising money for those people who are dealing with that now. So I highly, highly, highly recommend Going to marchforcancer.org. Join me, join Sema, join Tommy Guns. This is Sema, and Tommy Guns' baby, and you know Sema is a cancer survivor, one of the toughest people I know. And this thing is near and dear to their heart. So, if you are a, a fan of the show and the community of this show, I would love for you guys to join us on May 18th. Beautiful morning, 5K walk/run out there on Fort Lauderdale Beach to raise money and help those who are in the fight against cancer right, right now and help them with the the, uh, the expenses they deal with every single day while they're dealing with this. And uh, it means a lot. It means a lot. You guys always come through and support us in, uh, in tremendous ways. If you guys just want to donate, you can't make the run, you can also go to MarchForCancer.org and do that as well. But I just want, uh, one more friendly reminder before.
0: It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Two
1: things. One. Next week is Canelo versus Daniel Jacobs. I have a bold prediction. Daniel Jacobs is going to beat Canelo Alvarez. I'm doing some boxing math here. I'm one of the believers that Danny Jacobs beat Gennady Golovkin. I know a lot of people say that his best days were done after that. I believe Daniel Jacobs won that fight. We've seen Gennady Golovkin give Canelo all he can handle. Danny Jacobs is not. As old as Gennady Golovkin, still I think can have some room for improvement. And I do think, as a guy who got shorted on that, I think that uh, Danny Jacobs being kind of added to the fold of a guy who gets a win here um, brings pressure. Uh, th- you know, can 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 throw a lot of punches, can cause canel some uncomfortabilities there. And I think uh, I think Danny Jacobs is going to get the win this next weekend at Cinco de Mayo. So uh, that's a prediction from me. Also, next week, we have Cowboy Cerrone versus Ally Quinta. I am going to take Cowboy Cerrone in that one in the main event over Ally Quinta, but I think that is going to be a really, really good first couple of rounds before Cowboy ends up picking up the pace and submitting Ally Quinta. And then finally, speaking of the best division in sports, although this isn't the best division in sports anymore because – Cowboy is now back at 155, reverse that. Speaking of a guy who Cowboy recently faced, Jorge Masvidal, um, got a chance to go down to Bear Middle School this week, and I recommend you guys go and see some of the video that I put up. You guys can see it at theticketmiami.com. Uh, Jorge Masvidal went and spoke to the students there, and really just just just, just an awesome job and inspiration to get these kids fired up, you know, not a lot of the times people who are on TV take time to talk to kids and try and give them some inspiration, especially they had a hard upbringings like George explained that he did. And um, we had a chance to talk to Gamebred afterwards, Jorge Masvidal, Miami Zone, He is on the verge of a title shot and uh, we got a chance to talk about not only his speech to the students and how he wants to use his platform. That has only grown over these years, but also um, this upcoming July card where it's basically, as he dubs it, American top team versus the world. He was awesome. And here is my conversation with him. And then we bid you adieu. Very excited to be joined by our next guest. We're at Bear Middle School, Miami's own George gamebred Mosfi all Just got done talking to the kids, man. That was uh, pretty awesome. That. You got the opportunity to do that in front of uh, a South Florida school. I mean, they had a huge pop when they learned that you, uh, you're
4: you not only what you do, but that you're from down here. From, I'm from here, Miami, Florida, if that's what we're talking about. I'm from here, from Florida, so I think the kids just saw me and could relate instantly, you know? They see another Miami boy, so they just, uh, they could feel it, you know?
1: As part of um, you know your growing success, you've had a long, great career, but
4: obviously the
1: last win, the platform grew even more is that something that you, you kind of realized as, as you were soaking in the wind that the platform is going to get bigger and that you could even give back to the community just sending out messages even more?
4: But definitely, I, I don't think I'm, like everybody has a role in life, I don't think i give out to the community in, in a lot of ways, and I think in a lot of ways I could give back to the community. And one of them is just talking to troubled youth, how I wasn't that point in my life, you know, where where, where was it was a left or a right, and one turn maybe doesn't end up so well. So with with those types of settings I feel like I could relate and do very well with like I don't know marriage counseling and social media advice I'm probably not the best guy to give back to the community, you know. What was uh what was the
1: thing that stuck out the most for you like getting a chance to go in front of these kids was their nerves in front of it because you never quite know what they're going to throw at you uh and how they're going to react to
4: things. Definitely not nervous. I got two kids so I'm ready for all questions, you know. There's not one question that's going to really throw me for for in the hole too much. Um, I mean, I just love it, man. It's it's fun that, that they were so pumped to meet me. They don't know me, but they were just excited. And I could see in their eyes that they wanted to hear what I had to say. And I'm hoping a good majority of them might apply that at some point in their life tomorrow, start applying it. You know, maybe go to sleep a little bit earlier because I got a big test tomorrow. Maybe they'll think, man, it's not just my mom and my teachers. I mean, it's also this athlete guy that's on TV. Maybe they might listen, and that, that'd that be pretty damn cool. Being from Miami um,
1: and training down here at American Top Team, we're a, we got a big week. UFC's finally back here for the first time since 2015. Uh, I know if we were all greedy, we'd love to have you on it, but you got bigger and better things uh, ahead of you. But what do you think as far as the growth of mixed martial arts from the fanhood down here? Because obviously you guys have – you know the best gym arguably in the world i mean there's a bunch of guys who just train down here that are absolute killers um do you think that this can turn into and have a flood out to the market as far as like getting everybody out
4: here and this being a destination spot for the big fights i i would hope one day because we do harbor the most intense gym in the world american top team i mean there's another huge card on july 6th and it's four of us against the whole world you know And it's a who's who of of the greatest in martial arts. We got a guy that's fighting John Jones, the best 205 that ever lived. We got Amanda Nunez who represents American Top Team. We got me, and then we have one more on the team. Who's the other fighting? I just blanked out. Junior uh, is fighting France. Is another huge, humongous fight. Title eliminated. There, another American top team guy. You've always had,
1: you've always had an awesome gym. But did, did you ever think it was going to get to this point where, like, you guys are becoming not only the factory of great success, but all, but also championship opportunities and guys coming home with, with belts on the regular
4: now. Well, Dustin just got another belt, you know. And it's just, uh, we also attract that energy, you know. Guys like me, Dustin, uh, you know, a lot of the guys have been there. So it's just it's bananas that uh that we produce so many people, but we also know it. I I started there maybe 11, 12 years ago, and the formula was there, you know, great sparring partners, great coaches. Now we just have to put in the work. And for many years, I feel we were the best, but the UFC title looted us. We got titles everywhere else. You add the UFC titles to every other organization in the world, we're the best team by far, and it's just numbers. You know, I'm not even talking crap. It's just look at the top 10. Who's got the most guys in the top ten? It's probably American top team. You know, from one through fifteen, it's guaranteed American top team.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's even from the standpoint you guys have gotten so successful even on the other gender side because you have the greatest woman of all time in Amanda Nunes, but like even seeing the success of like Valerie Lareda, and she gets all that iron to, to sharpen her as she starts her career too.
4: Uh, Two time Olympic gold medalist, Kyla. Kayla that's pretty. Pillars. That's pretty scary. What is that going to be like? You know, we got a lot of killers over there that are not even coming out anytime soon that we got them on the amateur side and slowly but surely they're going to be released into the world so i'm just pumped to represent my gym like always getting back to the dustin title you got helped him get ready for that fight and there was footage
1: of of how confident you were in him yeah he like you have been has been in this game for a long time and is you know nothing's nothing's been given to him it, it's been a it was a long road did you take any satisfaction in that that like yeah, he finally he finally won. It was good to see one of the guys that just went out there and did
4: business was able to get gold. and And is is that a charge up for you, knowing that you're you're pretty damn close? Oh, definitely, you know. But uh, more so than just getting the title, because getting the title is one thing. Is, is he beat Max Holloway, and I consider Max in my top uh, five pound for pound list, top ten easily. You know, I think the guy's a stud. So, and then the way that Dustin did it, you know, it was it was very impressive. It's it's great, you know. It I don't take credit for me having gone to sparring or not gone. He was gonna do that no matter what. But you are part of that, that that journey, that ride I did spar with him. He did spar with me tremendous amount of rounds for for my fight. So we both give that that credit to each other knowing like, man, you helped me out for this fight, you know, and, and it's an awesome feeling, man, to, to get our goals accomplished as a team, you know. Though it's an individual sport. Uh, you're back in a, in July. When you have that kind of success like you did against Darren Till, do you want to
1: keep the same game plan? Do you still want to pick up new things, or how does how does that how does that go? Like, what is
4: the, the game plan to get healthy into the summer and, and uh, get your win over Ben? Just kick his butt. Just train. And do what I love to do. Been doing this for 16 years. If if I didn't love it, I wouldn't be doing it. You know. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Just wake up, go to the gym, eat, rest, go back to the gym, and just keep repeating that process till till everything is ready to go.
1: Best of luck to you, man. Uh, all the health you in there and uh, thanks for the time.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you to all my, my South Florida fans.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You better over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Mm-hmm.